And Lord, as we read the word this morning, Lord, as we look at, look at what you put on my heart, Lord, I just pray, Lord, it would just echo through us as individuals, Lord, but us as a church, Lord, and us as a, as a body of Christ, Lord. Amen. Amen. There's a lyric in one of them songs. Um, it's the third song, Just Like Heaven. And it says, I can't get enough of you. And as we were singing it, I thought, do you know what? That is so on point with how I feel my word is this morning. We can't get enough of God. We can't. So my title this morning is Faith Stronger Than Fear. Faith Stronger Than Fear. To give you a bit of background, last time I was here, I spoke about promises or walls and about Joshua and Jericho. And as I brought what I felt God was talking to me, I, I was in, a, in an okay way. For how much of my possibilities am I giving to God, for him to work as impossibilities? And some of you will know that I started my theology degree in September. Yeah, I'm excited. It's, um, it's tough. There's a lot to um, read. I'm not a massive reader. But following that sermon, I really felt God say to me, okay, I've told you what I felt was on your heart and what was on my heart, and now go and do it. And I spoke to Giles after um, an evening meeting we had, and I said, look, I want to go do theology, and I don't know what or how to go about it. And Giles just said, what about the course that the college that I'm going to? Giles is doing his master's at the Westminster Theology College. And I thought, great, fantastic. I came away and said to Rosie about you know, this option. It's part-time. It's, it's quite it's six years, but it's part-time, so you can work while you're doing it. And then the nitty-gritty bit came to it of cost. And isn't it so funny when we go to what we see possible... He works as impossible again. And that Sunday night, I went home and Giles said, look, just pray about it. Think about it. Look at it and just, you know, explore God. I had till Wednesday to apply. The closing date was Wednesday. And everyone loves a family WhatsApp. So I put it on my family WhatsApp. I said, look, there's an opportunity to go and study theology. But I need clear guidance from God that it's right. I need the door to either be held open for me or closed very, very promptly. This was about half past ten Sunday night. Nine o'clock Monday morning, I got a phone call from a, from a family friend, a good friend. And he said, I hear you want to do theology. I said, yeah. And the long or short of it, we, we spoke for about 30 minutes, and he paid for my theology course. <laughs> Amen. And there's, and there's certain things in life, money can make a massive difference. And God, God took care of that. As most of you will know, a few weeks ago, Giles shared the news of me coming on staff. And again, a massive thing. Making time for study, making time for practice. And God has clearly walked with me through that. So part of my theology first unit is we have to look at a, Bible, a book of the Old Testament. And I've chosen a book, the book of Daniel, Mainly because I thought I knew it. It's funny, isn't it? When you read scripture again, and it's scripture you've read for years and years and years, or you've been taught, and you've taught at Sunday school to young people, you think you know it. But as I was reading Daniel afresh, I'm thinking, there is so much in here. There is so much in here. And I just want to unfold a a little bit of it. See, Daniel is a book 
12 chapters and it's split roughly in half. It's, the first six is a book where it's talking about Daniel and his life and his, his faith in God and how that's tested, but how God prevails through. And the second, I'm still trying to get my head around. And if you've got any words of knowledge or wisdom with it, I would love to hear it. Because the book of second, the second half of Daniel is talking about Daniel's dreams and it, it so ties in with Revelation and the prophecy of Daniel. And I'm not going to touch on that today, but I might do next time. But we need to not underestimate the power of God. But we also need to not underestimate the power of God through man. Okay? God dwells and lives within us, and that is so exciting. So like I say, I'm going to focus today on three accounts in the first half of Daniel. We're going to look at Daniel 1, Daniel 3, and Daniel 6. And I want you to walk with me as this has kind of been going through my mind. So I'll apologize now as I talk how my mind is working, because sometimes for those of you who work with me, it doesn't make sense. But I hope it does this morning. Claire's nodding. She's agreeing. <laughs> so we're going to start off with Daniel 1. Daniel is in exile from Israel. He's been taken over by the Babylonians, King Nebuchadnezzar. And we read how Daniel is picked out as the young people. He was strong. He was handsome. And as he's being taken into the Babylonian army, he's been as a a captive, him, and we know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And we'll read their original names later. But they're taken and they're put through a real grilling. They're being brainwashed by the Babylonians to become mini King Nebuchadnezzar's. And as they're going through this process... A part of it is to do with diet. Now, I'm not going to talk about diet. Don't laugh like that. But it's funny how we read about a simple thing like food and how it makes a difference. We're going to read quite a lot of scripture this morning, so I'm not going to apologize for that, but you can follow online and you can follow on the screen. We're going to pick up in Daniel 1:12, And Daniel's just had a conversation with one of the King Nebuchadnezzar's And I said, I don't want to eat what you're offering me. The rich meat, the alcohol, the food that was given to idols. That's not what I do. So this is Daniel. He says, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food. And treat your servants with accordance to what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than the other young men who had ate the royal food. So the guard took away the choice of food and the wine, and they were to, and they were to drink and gave, sorry, took away the choice of food and the wine they were to drink and give them vegetables instead. So these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time, set by the king to bring them into his service, um, that period of time. The chief official, official represented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah. Now these, these are the names that they were given when they were in Israel. These, these aren't their Babylonian names. These are their original names. And when I looked into what their names meant, it's funny how they are being called by their original names. 
Because the names that King Nebuchadnezzar gave them took away who they were in God. Took away, their names meant things um, uh, like the channel of God, wisdom of God, and all who they were. Names meant a massive deal in these times. And they were given names like worshipper of of, of, um, Babylon, servant of Babylon, as, um, as their new names. But Nebuchadnezzar refers to them as their old names. And I love that. It's almost like, okay... Maybe I was wrong. And so they entered the king's service in every matter of wisdom and understanding about, sorry, about which the king questioned them. He found them ten times better than all the musicians and enchanters of this whole kingdom. Ten times. Not a little bit. Ten times. I wonder how often society and rulers take away something that we hold on so so strongly with our relationship with God. To Daniel, it was food. To us, it might, might be our morals, our beliefs. And society will say, it doesn't really matter. It's only food. It's only that. Or they might question you and say, actually, you're totally wrong in what you believe in, what you say. But when we hold firm of what God has got for us and what God has given us, he will prevail. He will be with us. King Nebuchadnezzar didn't starve them. He gave them the best, or what he thought was the best. The secular world won't give us what we think. It will feed us with temptation. It will feed us with the cream and make us think, maybe it's better if we think like that. Maybe it's better if we do that. We need to ch- stay loyal and true to what God has put on our hearts. Daniel's values stayed strong, and we must do the same. Our faith and our relationship with God needs to be so secure that when these things come, we know and we can stand on the truth and we can back it up. We have experiences. It's funny how even after 10 days, they then changed the food. But even after the four years, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were still cleverer, were still smarter. They had something that the other guys didn't. I truly believe they still had the questions then that we have now. I'm sure they were asked, where's your God? How would he let this happen to you? How would he let you be captive? The same questions that maybe we're asked today in our walk. Now I want to jump to, to Daniel 3. And this is, a, this is a story we probably all know. And one that is, again, taught through Sunday school. And it's about the furnace. So we're going to pick up Daniel 3, verse 16. And I've had to chop it and cut it a bit, otherwise we might have been here all morning. We still might, but we'd be here even longer. So we can jump in at verse 16. It said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to... Oh, sorry, just in prior to this, because I start further on. So King Nebuchadnezzar has built an idol and has told everyone across all the land, everyone of every language, it says, to worship this idol. Okay? And as they all bow, three figures are standing still, are standing upright and refuse to bow. So, so going back, sorry, to go reply to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, Interesting, they still called him king. They still had respect for him, 
They just weren't bowing down to him. We do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. And this, this bit really kind of made me read it a couple of times. But even if he does not, it's funny, isn't it? It wasn't saying that he won't. He said that even if he chooses not to, we want you to know, your majesty, that, he will, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Even if he does not. That takes, some, that takes some processing. You're stood there in front of a furnace that is seven times hotter, multiple times hotter than it's ever been before, and you're saying to the king, you can throw us in there because, and they're, they're bound up, they're tied up so tight. You can throw us in there because our God will save us, but you're not doing what you say. We're then going to jump into verse 26 and 28. And at this point, there are three, not three, sorry, there are four figures, people in this fire. There are four. And certain um, certain versions of it says, and the, 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 um, this image of God, this image of the Son of God was already in the fire waiting for them. Okay? They'd been thrown in. And they weren't bound. They were walking around this fire with this fourth figure. It says, Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, the irony, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. The satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisor crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was their their robes were not scorched. There was not a smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise the Lord of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve and worship any other gods other than their own. What amazes me is they didn't smell of fire. They weren't singed. But the only thing that burnt was what bound them. The only thing that was gone when they came out that was different was how they went in, tied up. I really pray that as we walk with God, what binds us up, what, what restrains us, what makes us feel uncomfortable and restricted is burnt away so we can dance with God. We do an alpha at the moment and there was a quote in the first alpha um, by C.S. Lewis, as most of you all know him from the Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, because I, I think it's so true. It says, Christianity, if false, is of no importance. Is, if it is true, of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. So true. We can't be on the fence with God. We can't be lukewarm in our faith. Because if they were lukewarm, they would not have gone in the fire. They would not have eaten the fruit and veg. They'd have said, okay, I'll do it your way. It's easier. It's comfy. Their trust was solely on God. And then we're going to jump to 
Daniel 6. And this is by far the best and most well-known story in Daniel. And of course it is Daniel and the lion's den. We read in, Dan, in Daniel how was in a relationship with God every day. He met with God daily, multiple times daily. His faith was so strong that nothing was going to waver that. As a church, we are a body of Christ, a family, who believe in the same relationship with God. An intense relationship, not because we feel like we have to, because we know we want to. And as a church at the moment, we're going through Proverbs. And online, we've got a Proverbs every day. And I encourage you, if you're not, just you know, jump in now on day, what is it, 17? Day 17. Okay. I'll catch up later. But every day, there's a, there's, there's a passage and some encouragement there. And make it a daily thing. Okay. So Daniel 6, it says, again, sorry, I've jumped in halfway through the story. So for those of you who don't know, Daniel um, is appointed to such a place where he is in authority over of sort of collecting taxes. Okay, He's, he's, a, he's at the right-hand side of um, Darius at this point. It's not Nebuchadnezzar. And this is post that. And it's in a way that... Um, he was so truthful and honest that everyone else around him hated him because they were making money on the side from the taxes. They were taking their part from the Babylonians, pocketing a bit and giving it to the king. And Daniel was going, no, 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 that's not right. So they weren't, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't invited to all the parties. But one thing's true is, well, we'll read it. So because they hated him, they made the king uh, write this decree that anyone who worshipped any other god but the king was thrown into the lion's den. And, you know, he thought it was a great idea. So he signed it away, not thinking about Daniel and Daniel's faith. It says, now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, sorry, from verse um, 10, he went home, window open towards Jerusalem, and three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, even when he knew it had been written. Isn't that funny? No, just me. I think it's funny. I think it was almost like saying, okay, I'm willing to take the consequence because I know my God is more faithful than the king. He's lived through so many trials so far and his, God has been so evident he's not going to change now. And so he gave thanks to his God just as he had done before. And then we're going to skip to verse 13. So this is the, um, the, the guys who had already got the king to sign it. It says, um, then they said to the king, Daniel is one of, of the exiles from Judah. So they're reminding him that he was literally a captive. He was a slave. He, he doesn't deserve to be where he is in their eyes. Pays no attention to you, your majesty. Again, putting him on a higher throne. Or to the cre- decree that you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. Rescue Daniel and made effort, every effort until sundown to save him. So the king gave the order, verse 16. And they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. What? I was reminded of, you know, Jesus in front 
of the Romans. And Pilate goes, you know, I'm washing my hands of this. This, is, this, isn't, this isn't to do with me because I can't find any fault with you. The king couldn't find fault with Daniel. The irony of this bit as well. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it and with his signet sorry, sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. He was dead. He was put to dead. He was, you know, never to be seen in this lion's den. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him. I wonder what Daniel did in the lion's den all night. <laughs> Do you think he slept? Probably. <laughs> yeah. Do you think he praised God and still prayed? Yeah. And, he, and the king could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, as your God, whom you serve continually, um, being able to rescue you from the lions. And Daniel answered. I wonder if there was that moment he was thinking, please just answer. May the king live forever. My God sent his angels and shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I have found innocent because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done anything wrong before. The king was overjoyed and gave the orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. The same as the fire. There was nothing. Then King Darius wrote to all the nations of people of every language in all the earth, may you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of the kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. It's almost like the first church. It was going out. The word of God was already going out. And he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. Amen, yeah. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders, miracles in the heavens and on earth and has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. Daniel was a witness to these people because of his relationship with God. His faith was stronger than his fear. I want you to take from today. His faith was stronger. I'd like to encourage the band back up. He walked it daily. He walked it daily, multiple times, through whatever came his way. He made time for God. And isn't it evident that God made time for him? Through all these accounts, God turned disaster into triumph. Daniel focused on Christ. He focused on God, not the crisis. And these struggles that we go through, they can either make us extremely bitter or they can make our relationship with God that much better. I was sent something this morning from my nanma, Audrey Chipper. Most of you will know. And it says this, it says, God's plan will always be more beautiful than your disappointments. Yeah? Be patient and thank God. I've asked the band, if, and it's called Be Still. And I apologise if it's new and you don't know it. 
but just let the words minister to you. And there's a, there's a line in it and it says that the Lord is in control. Do you believe it today? Do you believe the Lord's in control? I do. Am I in a place where I have enough faith to be thrown into a lion's den? I hope so. I hope so. I also hope it never happens. <laughs> but I hope I've got faith that's stronger than my fear. But these fears aren't massive or aren't always massive like lion's dens. Sometimes it is, like I said at the beginning, the fear of lack of money to do something or the fear of lack of time or the fear of the lack of friendship or relationship. Okay? But have your faith in God. Know your scripture. Know the promises that God has for you. And to the lightness of him. Amen.